Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. My name is Marshall. All right. How you feeling? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. I'm feeling good. It's been Very a good, good day. The sun is shining. I had breakfast. I went out for breakfast for a, for a meeting with some other pastors, and mm-hmm. I was love a good breakfast. Breakfast food is, is great. It's the best. Yeah. I'm not typically all that hungry at breakfast time so mm-hmm. i always have to kind of like force myself to eat when i go for breakfast but then as soon as i start digging in i'm like oh yeah no this is amazing yeah yeah and i so when we were in south america neither argentina nor peru have breakfasts that are worth writing home about right yeah not that I've ever written home about a breakfast, I guess. <laughs> well, when I was in, I noticed that when I was in France, like I did an exchange trip there years ago, and even there, breakfast was very simple, mm-hmm. like a croissant or a bowl of cereal. A what? A croissant or a bowl of cereal. In um, Spanish, they say media luna. I think maybe like the like the North American tendency to do like big breakfast is from the British heritage. Cause if you ever do a full English or a full Irish, that those breakfasts are like serious. Those are like, those will put the breakfast specials here in town to shame. Buddy, I'm from the South. Well, you guys do gravy. Yeah, but you guys still have we, a British heritage. We have, we Don't, have huge breakfasts too. Yeah, man. but I know, but the people who populated your country are the same ones who populated this one for the most part. Yeah, but we still came up with biscuits and gravy. That's true. That's true. Welcome to the Breakfast Podcast. That's right. <laughs> and it through exists to uh, raise your cholesterol. It's <laughs> great. I love it. How do you I feel about it. breakfast? Uh, about biscuits and gravy? I enjoy biscuits and gravy. Mm-hmm. I think I, you know what, Tim. I would say it was not something I grew up with, but the experience I've had. Um, particularly when I've had the chance to to go to the States and enjoy it, especially like the white gravy. I would say the experience is sublime. Perhaps perhaps even beautiful, Tim. Might even be yep. beautiful. <clears throat> it's funny that you would say white gravy because in the Great. South, nobody says that. They would just say, they would speci- specify brown gravy. See, that's interesting. Yeah, and white gravy would just be assumed. Right. Or they'd call it country gravy sometimes, but country if it's on a gravy. thing, they could go either way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right. But yeah, brown gravy, you just have for like whatever kind of holiday. Oh, like turkey dinner. Might be coming thing. up. Yeah, yeah. yeah Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. Enough of this. Okay. Although it is, it is, let's, let's wheel back around to this <laughs> at the very end and make it look like we, this was all planned like someone is sitting there right now going this is what they plan to talk about it's not yeah i I did try to give you like a segue on a platter tim but you just sidestepped that entirely you did and i did (laughs) i did yep so we're taking a another turn Mm -hmm. in our apologetics journey it it looks like there's going to be probably four turns in this journey so that Started off the very logical side, mm-hmm. the logical reasoning side, um, presented from the Christian worldview. Then we went into a place of answering some of the positions of the secular world and 
do we feel like the Christian position stands up to some of the criticisms mm-hmm. uh, or stands alongside or surpasses some of the positions of the, of the secular uh, worldview? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to segue into what's going to take, it looks like, maybe as many as 10 weeks, at least eight weeks, uh, of talking about setting setting truth aside, which we're not going to do. No. Uh, <laughs> but if you were able to set truth aside, is it even desirable? Mm. And we're going to talk about the desirability and the beauty mm-hmm. of the Christian worldview as compared to another worldview, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is to say... If it were true, would you want it to be true? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Is yeah. it is it a thing worth desiring? Yeah. And in today's episode, what we want to talk about is: Does that even matter? Mm-hmm. Why would that Why would that matter? Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good point. Why would it matter that we want it to be true, or that mm-hmm. it's a good thing that it would be true? Mm-hmm. Right. And does the fact that we might want it to be true damage? our credibility in saying that it is true or are we just okay, wishful yeah. thinking? <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Right. No, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. No, that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. I think, so I think we need to talk about the beauty, beauty in and of itself or desirability, if you want to use that word, mm-hmm. um, as a, a channel or a language that we can speak in. We've been speaking a lot of um, rationality. Yep. Um, facts and probabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Facts and probabilities, especially recently. Um, and as we kind of unpack this, like we're still going to be getting philosophical with this thing. Like Mm -hmm. you have to, um, but, but rather from just, than just like purely based on reason or, or, you know, the likelihood or mathematics behind things, we want to kind of, yeah, take a different approach. And it's an approach that some people might not be as comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Um, and I well, and we'll get into why that might be. I've got some theories as to why that might be, um, particularly amongst like our theological camp, um, as in like Protestants, evangelicals in particular. Which is really a shame because the Puritans would not have, they would not have pushed against this. No, they would have received it wholeheartedly. And, yeah, and we do promote the Puritans as if they were the apostles. Yeah, there. I I would push back against that slightly and say what? in 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 their in ways, in some ways, yes, and in some ways, some of the things that they did and promoted worked against the propagation of beauty in the Christian worldview. And so we'll, again, we'll, we, we'll get there. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. But I, so I looked up a definition for beauty. The definition, the Merriam Webster online said that this is how they define it uh, the quality or aggregate of qualities in a person or thing that gives pleasure to the senses or pleasurably exalts the mind or spirit, which I thought was interesting that they would include that. Mm. The mind pleasurably exalts the mind or spirit. So so essentially beauty is just something about a thing or a person that, yeah, gives you pleasure. What makes you happy. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and I'm not going to really argue with that definition, really, um, because... I think like we don't need to as Christians totally abandon an appreciation for like aesthetic beauty. 
like things being attractive. Right. And you know what I mean? Like sometimes I think we, we have to like, we sometimes feel like we have to be so not of this world that, you know, that we can't acknowledge that anything is actually beautiful. Yeah. That's other than God himself. That's an unfortunate thing. And that's where, that's where I could see, uh, a position of the Puritans coming against this sort of mindset, maybe sorting to, to trickle in a little bit. Mm-hmm. There is the opportunity amongst the Puritans to just not like stuff. Like I- anything that brings pleasure to the flesh mm. is a a bad thing. Not quite Gnostic, mm-hmm. but undertones. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I think the things that the, what the Puritans promoted that might have diminished the evangelical, what would become the evangelical view of, of beauty in, in worship is probably the iconoclasm, mm-hmm. which like, hey, I'm not for like statues of Mary in the church. What? But, what? but it was all in certain circles and certain kind of reform circles um, that the desire to swing so far away from what had been happening in the Roman Catholic Church resulted in very plain worship, very plain dress, very plain buildings, very mm-hmm. plain everything um you know and so and while their their preaching and their writing uh were extremely deep and profound um their elements of the kind the way they kind of did things that um may maybe diminished our diminished our, our view of beauty and and this was something that you know i kind of came to realize through reading some articles that were actually put out by ligonier which is an expressly reformed mm-hmm. um site and they even said yeah, maybe our forefathers took it a little too far. Because maybe we're at a place yeah. now where we, we don't allow enough space for beauty in our in our worship. Right. I, I think I think if I was this is not supposed to be a podcast on the Puritans, but whatever. We can Or breakfast. <laughs> or Puritan breakfasts. What, <laughs> what would they, what do they eat for breakfast? What would what would Bunyan have had for breakfast? You know Probably reform- biscuits and gravy. The reformers ate sausages during Lent for breakfast when they weren't supposed to. So, mm-hmm. so we yeah. know that. We know that for sure. Right. That was Vingley, right? That did the Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh I I think I think maybe where they made contributions but then also um uh, also hindered it might be just the notion that in 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 sort of the sufficiency of Christ and sufficiency of scripture kind of things like only God is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And only God is where I find my joy. Mm-hmm. Um it feels very strange to say, yeah, but no. Right. But that's where I'm going to land on this. Yeah, for sure. Right? For and sure. I, I think there's good biblical reason for that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So speaking of the Bible, again, just nerding out to lay some more foundation for us. Mm-hmm. Bible words that are trans that we translate into beautiful. In the New Testament, the Greek word is kalos, which means beautiful or it means good. And depending on the context, they're going to translate it either way. So I thought that was interesting. The Hebrew gets really interesting because you have two two main words. You have yafe, which means like beautiful or fair. So that's kind of expressly speaking to appearance, mm-hmm. very much so. Um, but there's another word, um, tiferet, which can mean, which means, and is often translated as either beauty or glory. Mm. And so sometimes it's used to describe the beauty of garments. And other times it's used, that same word is used to describe the glory of God, which is, which I found really interesting. And 
so like beauty is obviously is like okay beauty is not the central theme to the bible sure but mm-hmm. it's pervasive in it oh it's, yeah there, for it's, sure it's all throughout and we'll obviously like as we've as you've planned this out right there's there is a um we'll do us we'll do uh, an episode alone just on the beauty of scripture itself um and what does that look like but the theme of beauty is found throughout the bible and i thought it was kind of this interesting thing for, that I was reflecting on too is this connection between beauty and glory. Like what happens when the glory of God shows up? Like I often had like this very intangible understanding of what glory was. Glory is just like some kind of like revelation understanding of, you know, how amazing he is. Mm -hmm. But when God's glory shows up in scripture, you see it. Like you either you hear it or you feel it or you see it, right? Um, God's glory appears as a cloud or a smoke or as fire. Like it's this tangible thing um, that I never really, I never really thought about that much, right? And then even in the New Testament, when it says in, the, in uh, John chapter one, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, mm-hmm. glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Like we beheld the glory. Right, right. So there, so there's this connection then between beauty and glory, and and desirability that I just thought was really interesting. Like beauty is is like it's spiritual, and it's sensory. Right, and and not only not only with God, Mm -hmm. right? Sure. When when Paul talks in Romans about the effective obedience of those who would bring the gospel, he says. Not how um, how good it was of them to execute the task at hand. He says, "How beautiful are the feet of those!" Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and and sees it as a sensory thing. Yeah, and I I think that it is a sensory thing. in In the way that I in the way that I read this tells us, one, it matters to God. Mm. Hmm. And all things that matter to God should matter to us. Yes, for sure. Right? So why do I say a sensory thing matters to God? Mm-hmm. Because he's the one who gave us the capacity to sense. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. That's yeah. Right? That's, that's definitely, yeah. In, in our own makeup, mm-hmm. he could, we got to bring it back to food again. <laughs> he could have made us just execute the function of eating. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. You execute the function. I, I know like there are evolutionist arguments as to why we prefer certain things versus other things. Sure, yeah. Um, what have you. Uh, I don't think that's necessary. I think that evolutionary argument fails. Uh, not to bring this back into, the, into that realm, uh, but if we were at a place where we were just like, the fuel tank's empty, I need to fill it. Mm-hmm. We don't need pleasure to do that. Mm-hmm. We do that with our cars. Right. We don't have to enjoy the process of putting gas in the vehicle to put gas in the vehicle when it needs it. Right. We could do the same thing with ourselves. But God (laughs) gave us the capacity Mm -hmm. to enjoy Mm -hmm. our food. Yeah. Right? And when he talks about glory to come Mm -hmm. and feasts, he talks about the richness of the feast. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And, And so he created us with the capacity to sense and enjoy, mm-hmm. right? All five of our senses mm-hmm. are a part of our makeup for the glory of God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for yeah, no, I would totally, totally agree with that. What, what I was thinking of like beauty too, which 
because you can apply it to different things, right? Like, so even if we just think about like the beauty of the beauty of a, a great meal, mm-hmm. right? Versus kind of the the glory, the the kind of tangible or the the visual glory of God, right? And the beauty can be, and if I'm totally wrong here, forget it. But it, it can be both a supernatural quality of natural things, mm-hmm. or a natural quality of supernatural things. Like yeah. it's it's both it's both right. It can be both rather right. Right. Because because God God is obviously a supernatural being, but His glory and His beauty is something that we can kind of perceive to some degree, or at least when He when He chooses to and how He chooses to. Um, it, anyways, and but then at the same time, it's like yeah, a beautiful vista is just like it's just mountains and forests and lakes, but there's like this transcendent thing about it. That yeah. goes beyond what it just just then just rocks and trees and water. And I think I think that's the purpose of it, mm. right? So that's that's exactly what I was getting at, right? So in creation, God gives us the capacity to have an understanding of Him, mm-hmm. a limited understanding. We talked about sure. general revelation, right? This general revelation comes in large part through awe and wonder. Mm. Mm-hmm. at a maker, that we would look at the world around us, we would uh, see things, we would touch things, we would hear things, we would smell things, we would taste things that would cause us to say, wow, mm-hmm. right? And in the m- most grandiose ways, mm-hmm. we I even talked about this in, in last Sunday's sermon, uh, in the most grandiose ways cause us to feel small. Mm-hmm. And in feeling that small feeling, we recognize that there are greater, larger things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And those things point us from the natural into the supernatural, right. where at the same time, when God wants to reveal himself to us and his supernatural attributes, mm. he does that oftentimes through very natural means, right? And so there is this interplay between the two. Why? Because creation is the canvas by which the artist has chosen to express himself, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about artists expressing themselves all the time, whether it's in a visual medium, usually visual medium or auditory medium, right? Like someone singing sure. uh, a song, however it is they're going to play their music, uh, or, or someone painting something, they're expressing themselves mm-hmm. because that's what an artist does. And that's what God did mm-hmm. as an artist is express himself. So there will always be this interplay of the natural and the supernatural speaking back and forth to each other mm-hmm. um, in the same way that shows uh, in, in, a, in a human artist the mm-hmm. beauty and pain yeah. that he's working through or For she's sure. working through. Yeah. yeah. And like... This this idea of beauty, like it's funny because until we did this episode, I've never really read much on this subject. I've never really talked deeply about it on a theological level through really any of my education. We did do I did do an art class, so I guess in the art class we talked a little bit about this. Um, but in any case, like I feel like, understandably, um, Roman Catholics might. Have, do better with 
a theology of beauty than oh, we do sometimes. I agree. Right? Um, and the Orthodox as well. Yeah, same but thing. But I, I would argue in, in some cases go too far. Yeah, well, that's, again, that's, that, but, and that's the yeah. pendulum swing, right? But, so in the Roman Catholic tradition, there's so much invested in the beauty of the architecture and mm-hmm. the vestments of the priest and and so much. There's so much about the glory and the splendor of, of Rome and the Roman church as an institution mm-hmm. uh, that again gets that, you know, individual feeling small thing, but g- gone to an extreme where it is the, ins- the human institution of the church. That is the thing that is beautiful and glorious. Right. Right. And, and so the reformers in, in a swing away from that went to a very hyper individualistic focus mm-hmm. where no, all I need is me the Holy Spirit and my Bible. Mm-hmm. And that can sometimes give us Protestants and evangelicals, maybe in particular, a very big view of ourselves. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's not that we don't we don't recognize the glory of God, but in the scope of of all that is, we can sometimes we're like, well, what do I? I don't need anything. I just need my Bible and my Jesus, right? And so, and we and it can almost I don't know. Maybe our perspective's a little off sometimes. Yeah, I I agree. I and, and this is where people are going to start getting really nervous, and they're going to be like, "Oh no, I'm not being a priest." Marshall just spoke against the sufficiency of Christ and the sufficiency of Scripture. We need nothing else uh, except for these things. We we are now mystics, right? We're Quakers, <laughs> right. and we're mystics. And um, oh my goodness, was it Longfellow? I don't who who talked about uh, everyone else was he wrote a poem someone wrote a poem in early American history it's just coming to me now so I can't think of the name but uh, basically it's like everyone else is at church um, mm. this is like during uh, during the uh, uh, the revivals like okay the great awakening of, yeah, the awakening yeah everyone else is at church but I'm on a hike through the forest because this is my own cathedral kind of yeah. a thing in which you'd go. It's not actually it's not what I'm advocating. Um, but, but here's, here's the way that I would put this into play because this has been a conviction of mine for a couple of years now. Mm. Uh, and I, I bring it out in sermons every once in a while where I just call on people to look at things around them to appreciate as worship to God. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, the Bible talks about everything you do, even what you, how you eat and drink, mm-hmm. do it to the glory of God, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't just need to be, don't practice gluttony or alcoholism, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, it can also be a celebratory thing, right? Right. Uh, so, so the the analogy that I would give, because as a simpleton, I need analogies. Um, I want my kids to want to spend time with me. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a true desire of my heart, right? Um, and when I when I give them gifts, that gift is an expression of my heart to say to them, I know you and I know that you will enjoy this mm. and I want to enjoy this with you. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I want you to see this physical thing and think my dad thought of me and he knows me and he wanted to gift me with something. Mm. Right. I don't, I don't need either one of the pendulum swings in this. I don't need them to just take the thing and be like, this is incredible. And it's all I care about and walk away. And I'm just like the one who delivered it 
from the store to them, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's no relationship there. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. That's mm-hmm. not the aim, mm-hmm. right? That's idolatry. Right. I also don't want them to take the thing and go, oh no, get this away from me because I'm going to enjoy playing with this and all I really want to do is sit here and stare deeply into your eyes, Dad. <laughs> right? And, yeah, and yeah. the reason is I gave them the thing mm-hmm. because I knew they would enjoy the thing. Right. Right? Right. And enjoying that thing in the right balance of understanding not only the gift but the giver and the heart behind the giver Mm -hmm. is the healthy balance I want. Mm -hmm. I want them to take that toy and I want them to run and play with it. I want them to run back and give me a hug and say thank you and I want them to enjoy it and take good care of it, Mm. right? And I want us to have a relationship and this to be uh, an expression of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so in the same way, I would argue Everything that we can enjoy within our senses, we have the opportunity to, as we've said, the Catholic and the Orthodox churches can take this too far, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you end up with golden domes in cities that are falling apart. Where people are starving to death, yeah. Right? Or um, you end up with these massive buildings in just... I'm, I'm, I'm. My experience inside of this former Soviet bloc was not that it was third world and broken entirely around, mm. but just these these golden domes and these structures that were just so stand out, almost gaudy mm. and difficult, right? Like mm-hmm. when we were doing tours and people would be like, oh, you want to take, it just didn't feel like, oh, let's get a picture of this. It felt like that's gross, mm. right? And even taking a picture of it, which I, I did, but e- even in doing that, it, it almost felt like participating in it, right? right? Like celebrating this thing. But when I spent my time in Latin America, in third world countries, where the Catholic churches there just stand in this disproportionate level of care Mm. and expense to Mm -hmm. everything around it where people are living in shanties at the back end of these buildings that a hundred years ago would have been millions of dollars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, that's, That's taking the gift and making it the idol. Yeah. And it also, it also doesn't, point back to the glory of God in the same way that it points to the glory of the church, as you were saying. But the flip side, as far as worship centers go, Mm -hmm. would just be all we need is a couch and a living room, right? You can do a lot of good stuff there too. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think God's given us not only the ability to receive these things as worship, but the ability to to discern Mm. where we're in a healthy balance and where our hearts are right in this healthy balance. Yeah. Right, yeah. and so we practice beauty in our worship, and we integrate that in. Mm-hmm. It should affect what how we do our music. Yeah, right, for sure. That's why you sing more than I sing because you're a better singer than I am, mm-hmm. and that beauty needs to be on display in a way of putting best feet forward. Right, in that sort of a way. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I think 
And I think, well, it's and, and just to be fair, Tim, it's also why you play the electric guitar more than I do. <laughs> because, yeah, you got, because here's the thing. Here's the thing also we have to keep in mind with, um, with beauty and in, in kind of medieval theology. And here, here's another example where I think they get this right. They talk about something called the three transcendentals. Mm-hmm. So there's truth, goodness, and beauty. So these are three aspects of life that transcend just the kind of the mundane. And so that cause us as human beings to consider God, right? Mm-hmm. Just in, in, in this in this world, right? There are also three things, truth, goodness, and beauty are also happen to be three things that a naturalistic worldview has no answer for. Mm-hmm. There right. is no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as goodness. There's no such thing as beauty in that worldview. Right. Um, and, and that's what, that's what we're going to get into in like the next 10 episodes mm-hmm. is comparing the difference between the Christian worldview on these yeah. on specific topics, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. going to be fun, I think. Yeah, and so and and here's the thing: so this like truth, goodness, beauty thing, we often evaluate ideas and situations and things according to these standards, right? Is it true? Is it good? Is it beautiful? And we might think that it happens in that order, right? True, you know, truth being the foundation of everything, right? And that might work on the philosophical level and that might work for some people, but it doesn't always line up with how, how, how human beings are wired. Like for, for a lot of people, it's the opposite, right? They are first going to be attracted to the beauty of a thing. Mm-hmm. And then as they encounter it and evaluate it to see if it's good and true, right? Mm-hmm. So like oftentimes when we're trying to interact with people or when we're trying to make an impact on those that we want to come to faith, we, we get really um, concerned with with making sure they know what's true. And there are, there's a certain kind of person that that's how they're wired, but I think we all we forget that sometimes we have to woo people with what is beautiful. Are we going to get into Psalm 34 right here? We don't have, we don't have to, but yeah, we were just in that as a staff, right? Uh, yesterday, right? Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. That is the call that David gives to the people, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't, and, and that's that's not to say that David never reaches out and said, these are the things you need to know about God. God is sovereign and ruler over all things, and you should submit to him and do not turn away from him, mm-hmm. right? Because he will not be ignored and he will not be overcome. God will not be mocked. All of these things are also useful, mm-hmm. And expressing the way human beings should relate to God, but no less than those other things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is David saying, this is good. Mm-hmm. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. Or, and, and I would also argue, put to song. Right. Which is Because music. it's its own beauty. <laughs> right. Right. And, and also he says, when I consider the stars... Like, this is literally David laying on his back, looking up at the sky like a child, mm-hmm. and just going, wow. Mm-hmm. When I consider the stars, I think, who is man that you would be mindful of me, mm-hmm. right? And the beauty calls him to worship, mm-hmm. yeah. even as a believer. So his call to worship is come, taste, and see, which first means he has tasted and mm. declared the Lord good. Right, yeah. Right? When, when Paul is calling to the church at Rome, Romans 12, 1 and 2, 
Therefore, you know, therefore, uh, renew oh your minds. Yeah, the renewing of the minds passage. Oh my goodness, I, I know this like the back of my hand. I've used it so many times. Anyway, anyway, when he talks about the transformation of the mind mm-hmm. as a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. we can use that and we can say, well, this is all about rationale. Mm-hmm. And we've used that passage through this year to say you need to adjust, submit your own thoughts to the truth given to us by God. And Paul says, and in doing so, you will test and approve God's good, pleasing, Mm. and perfect will. Nice. Good, pleasing, and perfect. I love that. Pleasing. Yeah. That touches on, well, that touches on the three, that lines up so much with those three transcendentals, right? Goodness, beauty, and truth, right? Yeah. Um, That that also, now I have to do, I got to figure out if that Greek word for good there could also be your word for beautiful. Well, it, yeah, it could so, be the so ca- you, you could take be you take the reins for a while. Yeah, I will. So one of the things, and that that touches on that, right? This this idea of like the taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, Peter Kreeft, who is a Christian apologist, great apologist, also Roman Catholic. So you know, don't agree with everything he has to say, but he wrote that beauty is goodness's prophet. So beauty is what lets us know that goodness is a thing like beauty is the beauty and experiencing beauty is the thing that that calls us our attention towards good and we know that the ultimate good is god himself and so yeah another another great kind of quote it, it's you rest us okay so it's a different word yep. um would have been good though if it had oh man it would have been epic um blaise pascal um, who was another kind of really interesting philosopher um, in his work, Pensee, which just means like thoughts, essentially. Um, he wrote something curious, and I don't, I'm not totally sold on it, but it's really insightful. Nonetheless, he says, uh, and this is written, I think, in the 1700s. He says, men despise religion. They hate it and are afraid it might be true which I I love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The cure for this is first to show that religion is not contrary to reason. So we've kind of already done that. Right. 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 Believe in God is not contrary to reason, but worthy of reverence and respect. Okay. Next, make it attractive. Make good men wish it were true and then show that it is. And I think that's, I think one place where we have real world application for this is the number of times that I have watched a, an apologetic debate where those who oppose the Christian worldview say, even if it were true, I would never worship a God that. Mm-hmm. Right? And so at that point, what they have determined is, logical reasoning aside, it's not beautiful or desirable. Mm-hmm. In other words, the world is evaluating this on two fronts. Is it reasonable and is it desirable? Mm-hmm. And they're willing to say, should it prove reasonable, I will still dismiss it because it's not desirable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think we I think the best thing to say to them at that point is taste and see the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. desirable. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we neglect the beauty angle, then we're neglecting 
one one tool or one channel that you know one maybe one channel of how god communicates about himself mm-hmm. right if we just go straight to the reason or exclusively stay there i mean i mean why do people love why do people love cs lewis's narnia series so right. much right why is that why is that so much more popular than his nonfiction writing which is also great by the way mm-hmm. right it's because it's beautiful it's right. a beautiful story it's compelling mm-hmm. right like there's people there's you know, people who read read that or read other kind of uh, Christian literature that's fiction, right? That they just find some there's something in it. Like, why why do people love Lord of the Rings so much? Like, there's a reason. There's a reason why mm-hmm. you know the these these series just stand the test of time is because they are beautiful because they speak. Well, they're written beautifully first off, right? Which is something worth recognizing but also they they give us glimpses of the ultimate source of beauty right and that's right. what's so appealing to them right and like even even the idea of well-worded right that's Spurgeon doesn't usually say things that other people have not said before him mm-hmm. Spurgeon is not famous and beloved mm-hmm. because he came to conclusions that had not been addressed before him yeah in fact he said he never wanted to do that right it's because <laughs> The way he said it was better than the way anyone else said it. Mm-hmm. And it's the beauty of it all. Mm-hmm. I have a set of commentaries, um, Adams, okay, yeah, uh, in my office. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll, I'll have my sermon written out, my passage studied and everything, and I'm just like, I wonder what he said about this. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm looking for a new insight, Mm-hmm. But because just the way he writes, mm-hmm. it's just a, a next thing, mm-hmm. and it's it's beautiful, mm-hmm. and and it lays things out in a way. And, and I I know you're tired of hearing this personally, but this one's for the people, mm-hmm. so you can just stomach it one more time. Okay. <laughs> for those of you that love Christian allegorical literature, like C.S. Lewis's Narnia series, and just mm-hmm. think, man, I wish we had more of those. Andrew Peterson. The Wingfeather Saga. I'm going through it with my kids right now. My kids absolutely love it. If you look at it, you're going to see cartoons on the cover of it, and you're going to be like, oh, this is a children's series, and it may even be listed as a children's series. Let me just tell you, Narnia would be listed as a children's series too. You need to read The Wingfeather Saga. I don't Mm. care how old you are. Mm. It is beautiful. Mm. And the way... just little things like the way they refer to God as the maker through it all. Mm-hmm. They just call him, that's just his name, the maker, the maker, mm. right? Um, but the character development in it, the beauty of the storytelling, the way it's said, mm. and the Christian allegory that unfolds through it all is just really, really fantastic, mm-hmm. right? And I, I, think, um, I think one of the things that we need to do before this is over is talk about how to practice this because mm. I don't think we know. Mm. I think when it comes to the rational, we think, well, study more, <laughs> right? Read this book, study more, and learn. Right. But I don't think we know exactly how to practice this. Mm. Okay. All right. Are we going to talk about the like the rationale behind the logical side of beauty? Is like, is it subjective objective? Is that next week we're going to do that? I uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that next okay. week. Okay. okay. Yeah. What just want to make sure. Right, because okay. because what we want to do, in fact, let's let's just take a moment to unpack 
what all the different things we know we're going to talk about. Okay, there may okay. be others, right? Okay. Uh, the substantive nature of beauty, that mm-hmm. is to say, um, the correlation of beauty and truth, mm-hmm. verse, because, because some are going to say things uh, like, Beauty's well, in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> beauty's in the eye of the beholder, so it's relative. Right. Uh, some people are going to say, well, it's good for you. I'm glad that you have that to give you hope mm-hmm. and to lift your spirits, but that's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is they're saying there's no basis for this beautiful thing. And and so it's cute um, that you have this baseless appreciation for a thing that is not and i'm glad that it does well for you so we'll we'll talk about some of the substantive nature of beauty uh and and the human spirit um later we're going to talk about beauty and creation we're going to talk about the beauty of governing laws Mm. right where people are going to say well um i don't think that governing laws such as physical laws can be beautiful Mm. uh it's just math Right <laughs> or, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about math as beautiful. Yeah. We're gonna try. We uh, do our best, anyways. <laughs> it is, but uh, we're gonna talk about moral laws yep. as beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kinds of things. Um, then we're gonna talk about uh, so that's beauty of governing laws, uh, beauty inside of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna talk about uh, the beauty of submission and worship. Mm where some people see that as a very ugly thing mm-hmm. to be brought to your knees before a holy God. Mm. Um, we're going to talk about beauty in a holy text and the appreciation of the word. Uh, beauty in the cross, which many people think is only an ugly thing. Mm. Um, and we're going to talk about beauty in the gospel. Yeah. No, I love it. No, so, that's great. So those are the those are the different breakdowns we're going to do cool. over the next bit. We may we may find a couple here or there to add to it as well. <clears throat> nice. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's I'm I'm glad we were able to go through that. That's good. Um. So I guess okay. So then getting into an application mm-hmm. side of things, I think um my my feelings would be I think we need to expose ourselves intentionally expose ourselves to beautiful things. Particularly if they're things that we might not have a lot of experience with. So, for example, um, and things that are like that have been recognized as being beautiful for a long time, mm-hmm. okay. right? So that could be that could be art, right? In ver- in various forms, it could be um, music, right? Like, I mean, most of us today are not really all that familiar with classical music. Um, but it doesn't have to be classical music. Well, no, no, no. Just, just hear, hear, no, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Because okay. we listen to pop music, rock music, country music, rap music all the time. We have a steady diet of it. Or now you can listen to rap country music. Well, you, well, that's what. Yeah, right. that's the best kind of. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, but rap country pop. But classical music, I think I'm always. Even though I don't have a, a natural taste for it, like I'm not like, oh, you know what I could really go for right now is some classical music. Every single time I listen to it, I'm blown away. Every time I'm I'm going through the radio stations, and because we got this satellite radio thing in our in our car right now, and I get to the classical station, and I just I'll just give it a minute or two. It's like the intricacy of it, and the fact that this was you know knowing when so much of it was written, and mm-hmm. and the amount of people that are involved in executing it, um, it is something beautiful that I don't. And that's not to say that. 
other music isn't beautiful. Obviously not. It's my my point is to say, I think we should expose ourselves to things that are beautiful that we don't handle very often. Right. So for me, it was classical music. Yeah. So I I I guarantee people don't know this about us, but anytime Marshall and I have ever had time, just the two of us, that wasn't something that where we were working. Yeah. It inevitably becomes about music. Yeah, usually. And we will spend hours just going from one song to the next mm-hmm. in this sort of, most of the time, reminiscent yeah, kind yeah, of a sure, thing. Sure. Uh, but you and I just have extremely similar tastes in music. Mm-hmm. We, we're probably, I'm a pain to listen to music with for most people, <laughs> including my wife, right? Like the whole, like, let's put on some music while we drive and let's talk over the music. It just doesn't do it for me. I can't have it in the background. I yeah, need no. it up. I'm the same way. And I want to talk about everything, right? Like a little trill, a little triplet, whatever it is. I want to be like, did you hear that? Did you, you hear ta- that? Yeah. If you want to talk, you want to talk about the music. You don't want to talk about right. the weather while music is playing. And, and to the point that Lindsay, Lindsay has said to me so many times, she'd be like, you have heard this song. 10,000 times. Why does it still, why do you still need to point that out? Why does it, how does it still move you at this point? I'm like, right. I don't know, right. but it does. Yeah. You know? And, and it, it could be just a singer's like pronunciation of a word. Mm. The way that it hits, it just mm-hmm. does something to me. So you and I are, are both sort of into music that way. Mm-hmm. This is where people have an opportunity to increase all the more uh, the way they look down on me as an uncultured person, I can't do classical music. <laughs> you know, in the you know, in the same way, and I have total respect for this. Mm. Uh, but in the same way that people would listen to things that are like really heavy, sort of mm-hmm. metal screamo kind of things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would go, ah, it just grates on me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't actually like cause to feel joy or peace mm-hmm. or anything it, it just like it literally feels like nails on a chalkboard and and grates at me mm-hmm. my nerves just i'm that way with classical music and i don't know why that's so funny i know that smart people and cultured people <laughs> enjoy classical music and i want to be those people i want to <laughs> at least pretend like i am right but i just can't get into it yeah um at the same time my wife can't handle anything that gets like really aggressive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh but at one point in the history of this world i was in a screamo band while Lindsay was playing for the kitchener waterloo <laughs> symphony that's amazing and uh and we just don't get along. It's a true Romeo and Juliet story. We, <laughs> it is. We have a very broad middle ground where we enjoy music together. That's but good. those extremes, yeah, we just don't. That's but at the same time, I can listen to ambient music for hours, and it's helpful for me mm. in worship and in just sort of like calming my spirit. Mm. And it's just drones of sustained notes, mm-hmm. right? And it has very little complexity or, or emotion compared to like a classical music. Mm. Uh, but if I'm going to do instrumental, it's usually that or a lo-fi hip hop kind of thing. We both work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with those things going yeah. on in the background. Um, but I, I think I think you're right. I think appreciating visual art and musical uh, and, and auditory art are really important mm-hmm. and things that we should approach with the sense of worship. 
Mm. Right. So one thing that I do, um, our our family likes the singing shows. Yep. You and Candace watch them as well. Yep. Um, it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, and, and sometimes we'll watch those right before bed. Mm-hmm. Right, it's the end of the day kind of a thing. And when it comes time to pray with the kids, I'll pray things like, "God, thank you for the the joy of good music and the capacity to appreciate it." Because mm-hmm. we had fun with that today. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and and. I, I would I would argue not only learning how to receive these things, mm-hmm. but to produce them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for because, sure. Because there's so much more opportunity to worship in that and, and to just feel that, right? Um, is it deepening your worship of God to take up painting? Mm. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think participating in this creative process mm-hmm. that causes us to understand beauty at a deeper level and to appreciate those things at a deeper level mm-hmm. does, maybe not in, if you want to triage it, maybe not the most critical elements of worship. Sure, yeah. But yeah. it is still a thing, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's the whole point of all of this is we, we, can't, we can't take something and say, well, it's not the most important thing, so it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. That's a huge mistake, mm-hmm. right? Uh, learning to play an instrument. Yeah, there are there's so many instruments that don't really take as much work to learn how to make good sounds out of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're a local listener, or if you just want to email me, I can point you in some directions of things. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you cook, sure, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah fair enough. The and and learning how to make meals that are just. Mm. Good. Exciting. Yeah. Pleasing. Right. Yeah. Because God gave you taste buds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we have see, hear, taste, uh, feel. I all of these, all of these I think come down to slowing down a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I think slow yeah, I think that's well, <clears throat> there's 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 a great deal of of philosophers, or there's a couple philosophers in particular that um, as I was preparing for this, kind of decry the the situation in our modern society of, of kind of beauty just being tossed to the wayside, like mm-hmm. real beauty, mm-hmm. right? Um, and an appreciation for it and a willingness to create it because of busyness and noise and and just kind of like some countercultural stuff. Like, you know what? I'm sorry, but a urinal is not beautiful in the same way yeah. that a Rembrandt is. Right, right, right. And so like there's there is this like nefarious thing almost it seems it seems it's a strong word but maybe even demonic. Like I know that sounds that I'm spiritualizing but because it's just we're we're what we're doing is we're saying like now what's beautiful like there's no nothing is really beautiful and we're just going to shock you with something mm-hmm. or we're just going to like be provocative rather than Right, I think so much of art right now, whether it's in music or or in visual arts or whatever, is is about making a statement mm-hmm. rather than making something beautiful. Yeah, and I, I I was making we made a joke yesterday. We went to the Royal Botanical Garden. Okay. Yesterday afternoon as a family. Nice. I field research for this. Okay. Right? Cool. And after we leave here, we're going to a violin recital. Oh, nice. Listen to a lot of kids play violins. Yeah, It'll be yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think we run into 
that make this less of a priority is we are just so busy mm. and we give so much value to productive things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? This is not a productive thing. It's not useful. Mm-hmm. Even as someone who plays music a lot and really enjoys playing music, mm-hmm. So many times you hear people have conversations about what it means to play music and they're like, what's the point of investing all of that time in learning how to play an instrument unless you're going to be famous and making money at it? Mm-hmm. And what you're doing then is turning an art into a practical thing again, Yeah. right? A productive thing. Is it practical and is it productive? And those are the values that we give. And so what do you do? We work and we work and we work and we work and all of the beauty just passes us by. Mm -hmm. And we don't have time to just stop and smell the roses. Mm -hmm. Literally stopping to smell the roses because your olfactory sense was also given to you by God. Mm -hmm. And smelling the roses is a chance to go, wow, Mm -hmm. thank you for this tiny gift. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, God commands Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Why? Because without it, we would work and work and work, and we would never slow down to appreciate who He is. Mm-hmm. And, and this shows up in, in the arts too, right? When everything becomes about productive productivity and practicality, then what it's really about is self-sufficiency. Right. My own sufficiency. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to enjoy because I have to produce. Right. Why do I have to produce? Because if I don't, who will? Mm. Mm -hmm. Right? And that becomes the idolatry of self Mm -hmm. and our self-preservation. Um... And and it's good, it's good to practice art for art's sake, to mm. see the beauty in the world around us, to just take an afternoon off and drive to Goderich and watch the sunset over Huron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And recognize that that's worship. Yeah. One of the that's beauty. One of the practices that was uh, assigned to me by. Um, um, a guy named Pastor Phil. Shout out to Pastor Phil. Uh, doing spiritual direction with him. Uh, he's a retired pastor who uh, who does this sort of thing with guys like me. And one of the assignments he gave me um, was literally to just kind of slow down throughout the day and identify something, something beautiful, something good that God had done. Right. And and he was very. And he was kind of particular to say like. Aim for the aim for the stuff that would normally be overlooked, the little things, right? Don't be like, oh, I'm so thankful today for the substitutionary atonement of the, the right. cross. Yeah, He's yeah, saying, yeah. no, 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 like, be like, I'm so thankful that that detour took me down a dirt road and I got to drive past this, these beautiful, beautiful farms, mm-hmm. right? Like that kind of thing. And that really caused me to... Um, reflect more and, and it did it for a month and the idea was to to kind of train my brain to be more receptive to the beautiful and pleasing things that God has blessed me with in this life and mm-hmm. and in order to not get so focused on negativity right and so that was I mean I don't know if that's going to work for everyone but um, I found it extremely helpful yeah so 
one one person who does an incredible job of this. He he doesn't land in the place of worship. I I don't even I don't even know that I would that he would be a believer. Uh, but one of my one of my favorite poets. Um, I do happen to love poetry. Oh, that's cool. Um, one of my favorite poets uh, is from Chile. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was in Argentina, my very first semester teaching in Argentina, I took Thanksgiving and I flew to Chile by myself uh, just to go visit Santiago, um, but also to go to Valparaiso, where this guy's from. Mm. Um, he wrote a book of poems called Ode to Common Things. Okay. And it's, you know, when you get a, a nice new pair of socks and you put them on and they've not been stretched out of one for it's just. A new pair of socks feels good, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a three-page poem <laughs> about how much about someone who gave him a new pair of socks and yeah. how much he loves these socks, right? That's awesome. Um, Ode to a salt shaker, right? Like it's That's just right. all of these hilariously common things. The mm-hmm. beauty of a spoon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, what he's doing is he's pausing for a moment, just not just to pass over it. Or even to go, oh, that's nice. I'm glad we have this, right? But to stop long enough and say, why? Mm-hmm. Why is this beautiful? Mm-hmm. Why do I enjoy this? Mm-hmm. What's the sensation? Uh, what creates that? Um, and I think we as believers, I think we should practice that in, mm-hmm. in such a way as to say, and all of this is supplied by God mm-hmm. to humanity for his glory and our benefit. Amen. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I love it. So beauty matters to God. God created beauty, created us with the capacity to receive beauty. Mm-hmm. If it matters to God, it should matter to us. Yeah. Receive it, mm-hmm. use it, and enjoy it. And don't feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, use discernment. You, you know the difference between gluttony and a Lindor from time to time. Right. Right. I mean, come on. That's art. The, the weird, it's weird that I feel like there has to be disclaimers on this kind of thing, but without disclaimers, people will lose their minds over an episode like this. (laughs) Well, yeah. What about, well, what about, what about, what about, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and we throw up all these fences and walls and what, and where that can lead us to is this stoic sort of, so the best thing is to not enjoy it at all. Just in case you overstep. Just in case the flesh takes over and all mm-hmm. that. Just don't enjoy anything. Yeah. I don't think that's the way we were created. And I don't think that's God's best for us. I agree. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, if you're still listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. It is produced by Alex Walker. See ya. Bye.